One of the most popular industries that trends in podcasts and social media and YouTube in particular is fitness and health. You can't go two clicks without seeing another video on the best tips and tricks to lose weight, get better in shape, get stronger, get faster. On this episode of the Business Samurai Podcast, my next guest is personal trainer Ben Canning out of Ireland. He primarily focuses on technology and cybersecurity professionals and increasing their fitness, healthy lifestyles, and making it stick. He is co-host of the hashtag WeHackHealth podcast and movement that you can find on Twitter and on Discord that has taken a new twist on creating this healthy lifestyle. That is sharing your progress and sharing your journey in a community platform that is very public and getting the support of many others around you, of which I also participate in uh, by sharing out pictures of food prep and pictures of my workout. So sit back and listen as Ben and I discuss the ins and outs of the fitness industry, the fitness community, and how being part of the community can help you achieve your goals and stick to your goals longer. Do you enjoy talking business? Do you enjoy reading about business? Do you geek out over the entrepreneurial journey? If so, then you are in the right spot. The Business Samurai Podcast brings you the stories told by the people themselves. You'll be immersed in a wide variety of industries, from venture capital to gourmet popcorn, learning how to be a better leader, or the personalities behind solving the broadband crisis. At the Business Samurai, we believe it takes a wide variety of skill sets and experiences to be successful in business and life. Our aim is to not only entertain, but educate. For you to recognize how successful tactics and motivations in one industry can help propel you forward in your own unique business. Sit back, enjoy, and welcome to the Business Samurai Podcast. I am your host, John Barker. So take a couple minutes, give a breakdown of your entry into the fitness space because out of some of the businesses to start, you're one of the trifecta. They always say health, wealth, and relationships. So kind of give us the back little backstory. How much... Detail and how many profanities am I allowed to use? You are allowed to use one profanity every word. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for me, if we go way back before I did what I'm doing, I realized quite early on that I was highly unemployable. I just didn't work well for working with other people. So I knew that there was needed to be something that I did that was me working for myself. And it's always just fallen into whatever I have been into at the time. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on what way you look at it, the first sort of business, I guess, that I ran was providing transport to different nightclubs across the country, which was just an excuse for me to get drunk five out of seven <laughs> nights a week and get paid pretty well for it. The shelf life of that was quite short, to be honest, because I just couldn't keep up with it. And then after that, I found myself in the gym instead of in the club a friend of mine qualified as a personal trainer and he was like look i need someone to do a, my first ever before and after i was like i need to stop being a pisshead every single weekend so i'm your guy and then just absolutely fell in love with it i at that time worked for someone again really hated it and i was like what do i do to get out of this i had after my original coach i had an online coach and i was like this online coaching thing seems like the one like this guy's just send me emails every week like it seems to be easy enough so <laughs> i was like what do i need to do to become an online coach. The first step was obviously become a gym floor coach, like a gym floor PT. So I tried and I moved into that, started working on the gym floor in December, 2016. And it was always my goal to go fully online by December, 2021. So I'd given myself five years, I guess that was to be fully online off the gym floor. Obviously 
the recent global shit show pushed everything that little bit forward. And from March 2020, so I guess two years, I've been fully online, which has been the best thing I've ever done. Awesome. How, how did you have any other like fitness influences in your life to help that career transition? Was it just working in that gym that kind of gave you the experience or is there other certifications and stuff like that to set you apart? So the, the being qualified as a PT, I don't know if it's the same over there. I assume it's probably something similar. The way I describe it is it's almost like adult learning. You just pay for the qualification. So it's like when you do your driving test, they teach you how to pass your driving test, but they don't actually teach you how to drive. So whenever yeah. you get that initial certificate, it's like, okay. And then you sit down with an actual human in front of you and they tell you just the problems and you're like, what kids of the fucking textbook was this on? I don't remember this bit. So there is a lot of learning from clients. And I think that's the best thing that you can do is just work with a lot of people to get an understanding of how people actually work and what their needs are. But in terms of like other qualifications, there isn't really anything specific, especially over here that is seen as a deemed as a qualification, but there are like weekly or bi-weekly courses or weekends away or physique camps or education camps or nutrition things that I've done just along the way as my sort of interest is, has moved along. Well, the kicker here is in the United States, the only thing you got to be do is shirtless pictures on Instagram, man. Instantly <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the same. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's, you just need to do a photo shoot, then you're fully qualified. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I want to do what he's doing or yeah, what she's yeah, yeah, doing. Yeah. Yeah. How much? Uh, but speaking of that, this is something we haven't really talked before this other than the uh, the hashtag we hacked Twitter and you see my weak lifts because I'm always hurt, which we'll get into that <laughs> a little bit later. But how much has the, the Instagram and the TikToks and all of that nonsense that's out there freaking ruined people's attitudes and what they think it actually takes to improve getting a healthy lifestyle, getting a weight that they like. You don't have to be ripped, but getting, are you, how does that affect when somebody comes to you and says, help me, help me. <laughs> the, uh, the fitness industry as a whole, in my opinion, is a shit show because mm -hmm. of, for that exact reason, because people will post pictures of themselves when they look their best because they've just done a photo shoot and they've went through absolute hell to get there. And then they try and sell that to you as in, I did this in 10 weeks. So here you go. Like I'll charge you X amount of dollars or pounds for it. Whenever that is massively unrealistic in terms of a time frame and whatever else. And as I've developed as a coach, I have realized that the body and the physique is almost the last thing that you worry about. And I think that's something that's massively overlooked in the start, especially with the people that I work with is overcoming their sort of mental challenges and then almost like teaching them to forget everything that they know about training and nutrition, okay. because with no disrespect to anybody, they don't come on a call with me because they are in super good shape. Do you know what I mean? They come <laughs> because they're, it, it's a shambles in some way, shape or form. And they're like, oh, but I used to do this and I used to do that. And I'm like, we need to forget everything that you used to do. And then we're going to build out what we do moving forward. So in answer to your question, Instagram and TikTok and social media and influencers and the fitness industry, I guess it's been the best and the worst thing for it because it's been good in a sense that it has increased people's awareness of their health and fitness, but it has been bad in the sense that it's given them unrealistic expectations because people will come in and be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going on holiday in six weeks, so I need a six pack. And I'm like, okay, well, you need to come to me a year ago and then we probably would have made you there. <laughs> I guess the, how hard is it to deprogram the people that are getting constantly bombarded with that crap? day in and day out. I'm going to say initially it, it was quite difficult because it was just me telling them, but one of the, the best tools that I now have is everybody else in the client group. So at the start of the okay. pandemic, originally I started a weekly group call because people wanted to interact with other humans and whatever else. And one thing that I've picked up on that is 
that I'm pretty much telling people the opposite of what they're used to doing. So they're like, oh, I need to eat a thousand calories a day and do two hours of cardio and whatever else. I'm like, no, we need to not do that. And then whenever I'm telling people that they need to start increasing their calories if they want to lose weight, they're like, I think I've contacted the wrong guy. But if there's 15, 20, 25 other people in the group who've been through that process, who have overcome those things mm -hmm. themselves, they can tell them just trust the process or he actually knows what he's talking about or this is how I dealt with it. And I often, if I'm on initial consultation calls, I will, I'll try and emphasize the importance of the client group beyond me because it's something that I can't provide by myself. Do you know what I mean? It's everything that from their insights and their perspectives that, that they provide that I can't give just being a coach. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that's helpful when you see the online community of these guys putting in the work day in and day out yeah, with the Twitter yeah, using yeah. that hashtag. It's that reinforcement, that community reinforcement coaching. Yeah. And that, that drives me as well. Cause you know, I'm yeah. like, I can't be everybody all just sharing. Oh yeah. Hashtag we hack elf and I'm sitting having beers and my feet up and not actually training. Do you know what I mean? Like I need to live and breathe it. Like I need to do it if I'm prescribing it. Do you know what I mean? I guess that's the difference between setting the lifestyle versus a diet. Yeah. You've got to turn it into a lifestyle. People are looking the shortcuts. And speaking of that, when somebody comes to you, it's like doing the hard work versus looking for cheats. What's that magic pill? What's that supplement? How can I do this without touching a weight, taking a walk outside? How, if somebody is, how desperate are they when they actually come to you to want change for them to actually get off of their asses and do something? I think, I guess everything's person dependent. A lot of coaching, in my opinion, is saying it depends or does that make sense so in terms of being a person dependent it depends what experience that they've had before or what sort of situation that they're in are they the person that is maybe 100 pounds overweight or are they the person that maybe struggles to put on weight and what is their motivation for change is it that they're overweight and it's health related and they're like i need to fucking do this because if i don't my doctor says i'm gonna die and i've literally had those conversations before or is it the similar sort of background that i came from that it's i'm like a skinny little boy, like I'm meant to be 30 years of age and I'm skinny here. Like how do I change here? Like how do I fit into my clothes? And it's a confidence thing or it's a, they just want to look and feel a certain way. So it depends on, on what they actually need, but they generally come to me with their own perception of what they think that they should be doing. And we need to just un, unravel all that and just literally start from the basics. And I don't have a, I look at you as a person and you've told me that you're a family man or you're a business owner. So I fit you into this box. It's what are you doing at the minute and how do we improve on each aspect of those rather than trying to just delete all of that and flip the table upside down and go, right, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And that's going to get you to where you want to be because I found over time that too much change at once is overwhelming. It's hard to manage. So if we just look at the things that we're doing and the things that we can improve on gradually, then you generally have much more long-term success. And for me, what I want to give everybody is an understanding of their body and what's good for them and how they can progress in whatever their goal is. So you actually hit something I had wrote down is talking about too many changes at once. For a lot of people, once I know even some of the stuff I'm going through now, this the stuff that where you've got didn't happen overnight. Yeah. Whether it's, like you said, you're 100 pounds overweight or you can't keep it. It didn't happen overnight, so you can't yeah. expect You didn't gain 100 pounds in six weeks, so you're not going right. to lose it in six weeks. That sounds like a good diet challenge to do for YouTube, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm game. Yes, that would definitely be clickbait. Like I would be a YouTube star instantly. <laughs> Those ones that are like, hey, let's can you eat 100,000 calories in one day? I haven't seen that one yet. They're usually like 10. <laughs> but how do you manage? Is this a part of uh, trying to gauge a baseline? And I'm going to stick it to, I, in, please dive into how you gauge like a mental baseline for where somebody's at as well, since that, you know, that's obviously a big part of this. But do you say, 
hey, give me a baseline of what you do for a week or two. And then we can go from there to start making small incremental adjustments. Is that kind of your approach? Yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll take it back even further and talk you through like how the actual process of if you book a call with me actually works. So I assume that you have, will have done your research and been on the website. The way the website is not very much except book a call. So whenever you click that book a call, it will set up the time. And what that will do is it'll send you out an initial questionnaire. Now, again, this is something that's been built up over time that it's quite an extensive questionnaire because I find that the more that I know, the better. So there's maybe, I think there's maybe 75, 80 questions. And that to me is to give me an idea as to nice. what goes on in their general life. Can I interject for, something into that as yeah, well real quick? Yeah, yeah. I think from a business perspective, if somebody is willing to answer 75 to 80 questions, 100%. their pain is enough that they want your help and it's not a fly-by-night thing. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I'm stealing that for some stuff I'm working on. So please continue. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. But that's the that that is it almost pre-qualifies the person that if they're going to take the time to fill out, then they're willing to have the conversation and they they're in a place that they're ready to make change. Whereas some people would look at that and be like, "Fuck that! I'm not filling that in. Like, it's right. too many questions. Like, what does this guy need to know about whatever it is?" So it's quite extensive. It's really extensive. It covers what they do day to day, who they live with, who is in charge of their food, their shopping, their sleep, how many alcoholic beverages they have, how many caffeinated beverages they have, like what their training looks like at the minute, what their food looks like at the minute. It's a lot. But that also gives me, I'll spend half an hour, 45 minutes before I have the call with them going through it and looking for like red flags or things to, to pick up in, in conversation. And generally that gives me a pretty good insight as to, okay, they have been tracking their food for the past three months. So they're already maybe a slight bit ahead or this person has been training for five years, but hasn't seen any change. And is just like ready to bang his head against the wall because he's not making any changes or it's this person has had the health scare and they've never trained or they've never looked after their food. So the doctors just told them they need to sort something else now. And they're coming to me with an absolute clean state in terms of what they're doing. So that in itself is almost like it, it starts to allow me to build a picture. Then whenever we have the call, I always preface the call with this is just a sort of conversation burst of your questionnaire because you know yourself, if you're talking to someone, you can see them. The answers that they give you are slightly different than the ones that they write down. So you just put it into, you just put it into their hands in terms of the way that I said is I look, this calls for me to get an idea of what you're struggling with, what brought you here, if I can help, and then what that actually looks like in terms of building out a plan moving forward. And I will. Depending on the feedback that I'm getting, I will probe them on things in terms of they'll maybe tell me that they want to, I don't know, have the confidence to take their shirt off whenever they go to the beach. I'm like, okay, but I want to know why that you want to have that. Like, why do you want that? Is it for you? Is it because someone fucked you off whenever you were younger and you've been overweight ever since then? What's the reason why? And then that's whenever you start to get into the sort of the mindset side of things, because if you can have an understanding of why people actually want these things, then to get them there, it's that little bit easier rather than being like, okay, once a six pack, perfect. This is the plan for that. Send it to him. That's it. That, that to me is like the perfect approach. Again, going back to somebody is desperate enough that they want the change that they're, that they are looking for. How quickly it, does it take to get somebody to, once you get them into the process where they're starting to build up their own steam, they're starting to see some of those changes in there and they're like, Hey Ben, let's make this a little, let's make this a little bit more. I, I like this. I imagine that's also probably a happy trigger point for you where you're going, all right, I know what I'm doing here. I'm actually qualified and I understand what's going on here. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's actually funny because on the weekly group call a couple of weeks ago, one of the guys was saying that he had passed the Valley of Sorrow as he called it. And I was like, <laughs> explain that. And he was like, when you sign up initially, you have this like immediate, like 
I'm so excited. This is going to change my life. This is the best decision I've ever made. And then it obviously takes time for the results to follow. So you go through this, say, from week five until week 10 or 11, that there's slight changes happening, but you feel like you're putting a lot of effort in and you want more changes. And then you go like week 12 and beyond, you really start to see a physical change. You feel better. You're sleeping better. Your energy levels are better. All these things are better. And then it's like you said, you're like, if I feel good, this good training three times a week for 45 minutes, what if I were to do four times a week? And then that's whenever it starts to come and you're like, I want to be a bit more. And then you get into that real positive. Should I actually feel really good? And then everything that I look at is beyond just what the physical change is. It's like, how are their energy on the calls whenever I'm speaking to them or how are they getting on at work or they just, there's a different look about them. And, and one thing that I always will put back to people, if I'm looking at their check-in photos or whatever, I'll compare their first photos, obviously like the original ones to like whatever week we're on. I'm like, mm -hmm. look how much taller you're standing or look at how much happier you look in terms of the smile. So it's, it, there's a lot to come along with it. But in terms of what you're asking, generally for people to start this actually physically see change, because you see yourself so much to see, physically see change i generally find it's about 12 from about 12 weeks on because you're very critical of yourself because you see yourself every single day okay yes you can maybe see weight come down or measurements coming down but the numbers on the check-in sheet don't mean shit if you can't look in the mirror and go i'm actually different right that's that internal motivation yeah. dive into this real quick because yeah. i'll let you explain it about the not just strict strictly tracking the weight that you see on the scale but also how the measurements are so important to know which type of progress you're making yeah for me if i could fuck the scale out the window for everybody i would because it's the biggest <laughs> it's the biggest hurdle in itself and i think it i've had this I actually had this conversation on a call with a client earlier on it's we have become so ingrained that when people talk about losing weight, they look at the number because that is what they relate it to. And I'm like, okay, I fully understand it. Like I get it. And they've been brought up and things like BMI will tell them that they're obese based on their weight and whatever else. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's not taking everything into consideration. So for me, again, for anybody who's ever been through the extensive questionnaire, I have an equally extensive weekly check-in sheet that there's, I think there's okay. maybe 65 points on, 65 different data points that cover everything from energy levels, ability to focus, your sleep, your mood, did you do your gratitude log, your blood pressure, your heart rate variability, and all these sort of markers allow me to build a picture of what's going on throughout the week. And then also, if the scale doesn't move one week, I can go, okay, you didn't lose any weight this week, but this marker has improved. This is an actual health benefit that you're getting or you're sleeping better or your energy better or you're stronger. So from a, if we talk about a physical side of things, like I'll look at photos, I'll look at weight and I'll look at metrics in terms of measurements. And you will find that they all don't move together, which fucks people up because they're like, well, if I'm losing weight, like why are my measurements not coming down? <laughs> or if I'm losing measurements, why is my weight not coming down? But I think the biggest sort of teaching point in that is, is looking at body composition. Cause I've genuinely had clients before, like when I worked in the gym floor that I've trained them for a year and their weight has literally stayed exactly the same for the entire year. But obviously their body composition has totally changed. So being able to detach themselves, being able to detach them from that number is always a big hurdle, but that's why I look at so many different data points because while it's cool losing weight or dropping centimeters in your measurements, like if we can look at improvements in how your heart's functioning or your blood pressure or your blood work, like it's way beyond just getting a six pack, like it's actual longevity of life and health benefits. 
Oh, wow. I, so you actually get into blood work and things of that nature. You may be the first coach I know that has actually went to that deep yeah. uh, as far as having that with check-ins. I'm sure there's probably others, but I've never had a conversation with them. How much do you get beholden to the fitness trackers and your woot straps and all that kind of stuff? Is that a good baseline measurement in your opinion? I've done research on it a while back, but not on newer versions. And I know others that are like, they live and breathe by what the numbers say on the fitness trackers. Yeah. What's your perspective? It, <laughs> again, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because it's a great tool because it can give us so many so much information. Generally, they're going to cover your steps or it's going to be able to show you how many calories you burnt or it's going to be able to tell you your rest and heart rate or your heart rate variability or whatever it is, which is all great data to have or your sleep, things like that. Whereas before, like it, you have to use other things like just time in terms of your output or whatever. So it's a good tool in that way. What I see as a pretty big problem with it is people will go and do a spin class and be like, oh, I burnt 657 calories here. I'm going to go and eat 10 donuts because I've just, you're almost buying back the calories that you've just burnt. And they live and breathe that part of it. And that's, again, it's probably just lack of education in terms of what's actually going on. One thing that I'm a big advocate for, and it, this is just a, it's from my own personal experience, is taking a week off the wearable tech and actually have an understanding of how you actually feel because... I used to find that I would wake up in the morning and I'd be like, oh, I feel great. And then I'd check my app and Aura would tell me that I'd only had 43% <laughs> sleep score. And I'm like, I feel shit because the app is telling me that I feel shit. So I do think that while the wearable tech is great, you need to sometimes just check in with yourself in terms of, and I do have that in the check-in sheet. It's okay. What was your sleep in terms of minutes? What was the efficiency in terms of what the app says? But how did you actually feel? Because there's often a big disconnect in terms of what the two are. And I think I do often recommend just take time off from Fitbit or Whip or whatever it is recalibrate yourself and then come back to it. So again, it depends on the person, but I think that they're a great tool if they're used in the proper way and you don't get too caught up in the details of the menu show. Oh yeah, no, I think the gamification aspect of it, yeah. if you've got that community is a good driver. For me right now, me and my wife will sit there and we're on the move streak and all that kind of stuff. And it's, hey, I make fun of her. You've only got, you got 10 calories to go before you cross and get the three rings yeah. to circle across, but it gives it a different type of aspect. And again, it's that community, that community feel yeah. that's out there. Do you do any work with competitors at all? Bodybuilders, strength training, CrossFitters, any of that type no. of stuff prepping them for that? No, no. I think the... I wore my Arnold shirt for nothing today then. <laughs> the, uh, the reason that I don't, I used to coach a professional tennis player and the level of detail that you need to go into in terms of what they need as an athlete is so specific. And why it's great knowledge to have, unless I'm going to coach professional tennis players for the rest of my life, it's a lot of time to put into just that one specific thing. In terms of like professional bodybuilders, they tell me the guy that I just mentioned in terms of the podcast that we just recorded, like that's his thing. And I think that there's a, there's definitely a lot of wisdom in being able to outsource. So if somebody came to me and they're like, I want to do a bodybuilding show, I'm like, I'm not the guy. Like I can recommend, I have two or three people I can recommend. I'm able to outsource that. Like, I can't be a master of absolutely everything, things like that. The specifics that you need to go into and the level of work that needs to go into each individual would take away from what I'm doing from everybody else. Do you know what I mean? Because I would have to relearn everything about what they need for, if it's bodybuilding, what they need coming up to going on stage or if it's cross, what do they need in terms of like performance or fuel in their bodies or whatever else? No, I, no, I understand that. That's, and now, like I said, we haven't talked before this. That was actually a lot of my background. I didn't compete. 
I actually, it's still a goal if I can ever stop becoming the walking entry that I am right now is to do a is to do a physique show at some point. But that's actually was my out of high school with weightlifting. I'm 43 working out with people that did amateur competitive bodybuilding and seeing the massive amount of foods <laughs> that they yeah. ate. And honestly, I lived and worked that lifestyle for a period of time. And it, I do believe it's what caused my injuries, particularly with my knee as I got older. Not that we were doing anything that I would think, even looking back on it, that was improper or incorrect. Obviously, it was just massive amounts of weight. And I mm -hmm. put massive amounts of weight on my body in a, over a period of time that I just don't think my frame could support. I think that was part of it because I've always prided myself on trying to maintain proper edit form and etiquette in the gym without doing stupid things that you see other people do or teenagers come into the gym and grabbing weight that they shouldn't be because yeah. that's, that's a big part of it. So I've got that as a goal in there, but I, one of the things I don't, and I don't know if you even track any of the stuff I do loosely track the bodybuilding. We're seeing lots of deaths with steroids at the professional level. And then it's coming out more and more that the actors, whether they'll admit it or not to get ready for a role, like you said, in, in 12 months, they've got assistance. And I think that's setting up a potentially bad mindset for kids coming up, they're seeing the their action heroes not look like Bruce Willis did when I was growing up, like a kind of a, just a normal dude, but yeah. freaking the Incredible Hulk. And yeah. I just, I'm worried about that setting up the wrong expectations if people are not going to be forthcoming in those discussions. And I just don't know if some of the circles you talk around, if that's something you worry about for general public health and at all. Yeah, I've had many open conversations and as, as we spoke just before, like who I train and the people that I work with has massively changed over the past 18 months. And the more that I moved to coaching more meals and especially coaching more meals based in America, the more the conversation comes around TRT and things like that, yeah. which is obviously different than performance enhancing drugs and like going down that street. And I'm happy to have open conversations about that because I have the knowledge for it. Anything beyond that, I wouldn't be referring like i wouldn't be recommending doing whatever they need to do to get on stage i do think that is definitely a big part of what's missing because if you think of even we talk about the competitors at the olympia like chris bumstead he's in incredible shape but yep we all know how he got there do you know what i mean but if i were me starting out my training career about eight years ago if I look at him and I'm like, I can do that. I'd be able to do that. There's no problem. And I think, again, it just comes down to, because it's seen as, I don't know if, I assume it's the same over there, but because it's seen as a taboo subject, people don't want to have the conversation. So if I decide, okay, yeah. I want to get big and become a bodybuilder, I then have to go, okay, this is what I need to take and this is what I need to do. And it comes from just lack of education. And I guess one of the biggest things that I've seen when I worked on the gym floor is people starting into that too early, like not reaching their true natural potential before going down that street, like seeing it as a shortcut and seeing it, the more that I take, the bigger I will be when it's not necessarily like that. And again, if we take it back to looking at blood work and looking at blood panels and how your body responds and levels of things you'd be at and, and doing it in a healthy way, it can be done. And I don't follow a lot of coaches and I don't really have many conversations with many coaches. How many I will talk to who is obviously on the road to become a professional bodybuilder. So I have that insight. And my former coach, Callum, like he, he, he coaches professional athletes. Like that's what he does. So following his stuff and having an understanding of his process and educating the athletes in terms of what they're taking and, and how long they should be taking it for. And almost the way that he's moving things is it's about spreading the risk. So obviously with all these things that you take there, there will be adverse side effects. And what he looks at is instead of pushing things to maximum limits in terms of maxing out how much testosterone you can take 
he looks at different, like a couple of different compounds and doing like a smaller dose of those things. So looking at it from a health perspective over a broad spectrum so that you're not like really putting that, that much sort of pressure and challenge on what's going on in your liver or your heart or whatever it is. No, I agree. And having went back to been to as many shows, he had even been to one. I remember this years ago, a friend of mine was competing in a regional and it was not drug tested, but you could clearly buy after you, you learn an eye to a yeah. degree and you just sit there and you're going, hey, we went across the stage and we were like natural. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Natural, yeah. Not. Be, just because of the, the amount of muscle there. And like I said, I'm here in the U.S. It is absolutely taboo. It's that uns it's like, it reminds me growing up before it became WWE, WWF. Nobody wanted to admit it that wrestling was fake. Yeah. Just hold on a second, guys. This stuff's scripted out and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> Bodybuilding in and of itself. And, and, I, and again, like I said, transitioning to medium where everybody is ripped out of their minds in movies mm -hmm. and television shows nowadays. I am a little concerned on the influence that has outside of someone my age going, Hey doc, I need some TRT. I can't, I'm not sleeping well. I'm, I think it's sick. even to go down that route in terms of the conversation, like what clinics and what you guys have available over there from that perspective, I think is incredible because you have professionals that can look at it and prescribe and get you back to optimal. And it's not about pushing to those like super physiological ranges that are just absolutely fucking ridiculous. It's about how can you get back to functioning and optimal so that you can, like you said, sleep better or have more energy or run about after the kids or still continue to train or recover or whatever it is. So I think that should be talked about more because I have no, I'll talk about it in client calls and a couple of guys that are running TRT, they are, will openly have the conversation because they almost mm -hmm. wish that they had someone to talk to about it whenever they went down the process. But yeah, I think that, you know, what, especially if you're talking about actors, what they have to put their bodies through rule to rule in terms of how different they look sure. like that. It's definitely something that's not spoken about. And I think you're, again, it just comes down to the influence and the social media and the, I guess the improper expectations that the people and especially younger generation will have. Yeah. And again, it's something that I've thought about for my own health as I've gotten hitting that mid forties mark. And I kid you not, man, I've put a beating my, on myself over the years, unmitigated beating from just gym training. And I'm at the point now where, let's see, blew out the knee twice. Once was from basketball. I used to play basketball. And then I had a cartilage tear that I can't explain what happened. It just, I wake up one day and I'm falling down just by standing up. So leg days can be interesting if I'm in, I can do them. No squatting, of course. No high impact. Two AC, three AC joint decompression procedures from just all the pressing overhead. And then just like, just sprain something along that, something along that line that I, again, I think it goes back to working out with some of those guys that were massive. I'm talking over 300 pounds, doing the bodybuilding thing off season, over 300 pounds. And man, I was right there with them at, <laughs> let me see at that time period, I was probably 185 and got up to 240 and got nice. up to 240. And I was actually Shit. like, I'm probably 240 now, but it's like the Oreo. <laughs> and, and part of that is some of the injury I've been going through for three months now. It's just absolutely stupid nonsense. But some of the other benefits you mentioned is some of the mental, the creativity. Do you get a lot of responses where somebody, hey, man, I missed my workout today and now my whole day sucks. I can't, I haven't been able to work at my job because that rush, that endorphin thing is that. I'm sure that's some other tangible benefits other people are yeah, for sure. May you not know, think about when they're looking at this, if they're only no. looking for you want to throw the scale out and it's hold on a second, your whole performance went up across the board, man. Yeah. And do you know what, as I don't know whether it's come from the podcast and people actually hearing me speak about it or whether things are changing, but I have literally had clients come to me and say, look, 
I need better mental clarity. What can we do to get that? Like I need to, especially with the industry, I work quite a lot with information security and cybersecurity. So they need to be switched mm -hmm. on to what the fuck's going on. Coming to me, I need to be focusing better. I need to function better. Like I have this brain fog and I need to get rid of it. It's funny having those conversations because people are almost coming for what the byproduct is that they don't usually. And that obviously the, the physical side of it and the change that is great that comes alongside that. But they're now coming to me with, I want all these things that, that people don't know that they're going to get. So I don't know, like I said, I don't know whether it's people are just changing or it's just because of the, the information that I've been putting out. I would sit there and say the one thing that when COVID started, I, I was the gym rat, man. So back going back into my early 20s, I was that dude working out with those bodybuilder guys in the gym for three hours a night. So I finally started getting old enough. I'm like, I got to do some other things. We got to cut these workouts. We don't, I don't need to be in the gym for three hours a night. Yeah, yeah. And I do, I am not exaggerating when I say three hours a night, because I distinctly remember the conversation with the guys going, I can't spend that much time in here anymore. Every yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. But when COVID started doing the gym build out at the house, and the one thing that I always get, I've always said, when you're working on a problem and you're stuck on something, go do something else. Yeah. Go take a walk. Stop trying to force yourself to be creative. Stop trying to force yourself to find a solution to the problem. Go do something else. And I have found since I've built the uh, home gen out, I keep a notebook down there because the most random thing that I'm not thinking about that I was thinking about two days ago that the, you know, this is, oh, hey, dummy. What? Why the solution to my, where, 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 yeah. Was, yeah, where was this today? Where was this two days yeah. ago? Yeah. But but you mentioned the cybersecurity professionals. So talk about how the We Hack Health uh, movement got started. What was the origins? Because I'm trying to think of when I came into it. And honestly, I I can't I can't remember exactly. It's now it just feels like something that I do. I, I don't yeah. remember how it got started. How I who I was connected to that initially started doing it. I'm like, oh, hey, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, if we take it back to obviously me, me fully transitioning online and then I'm, I have no, I'm pretty open about this. Like I started coaching Dave and to me, Dave was just Dave. Like he contacted me through Facebook. It was just as if anybody else had contacted me. And then all of a sudden he's got fucking 150,000 followers on Twitter and he's this like fucking cybersecurity genius. I'm like, who are you really? What the fuck's going on here? And then from that just him posting and his sort of success like the my client base in america grew and grew through people who are doing the same a similar sort of job and i think again the more i got into it the more sort of patterns that i could see as to what people struggled with and they are all in the same industry so they all have similar struggles in some sort of way and i was like we need to put this information out we need to find a way to do this and it was actually the martin the guy who I'm going to say takes all my photos, but the guy, the photographer that I use quite often, first of all, he said, you should start a YouTube channel. I was like, no, because I wasn't the, Why not? Didn't speak. I didn't, <laughs> no, I will, I will. It's coming. It's coming. But I didn't like the, I don't like speaking. I didn't like speaking in front of the camera and I didn't like, because there's a mic here, it would have freaked me out. Do you know what I mean? I could have a conversation with you all day long because there's a mic and it's recorded and I would have been like, oh, I can't do that. And then I was just literally having a conversation with Dave one day and I was like, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Do you want to do it with me? And I was like he's too busy. Like he won't want to do that. And he was like, I can't be fucking honored. And I was like, holy shit, really? So then it just, <laughs> it just came from there. And then we started the podcast. I'm going to say in September, August, that September. September, August last year. Yeah. Okay. That yeah, September, know. August. And it's basically just gone from strength to strength. Obviously one thing I'm very grateful of is the presence that Dave has on Twitter and social media that's helped us grow. And to me, one of the coolest things about it is, okay, yes, it's great getting someone on a six pack or whatever it is. Like I'm in a position now with the information that I'm putting out and the audience and everything that sort of comes along with it, that I can actually help 
an entire industry, which is a unique position to be in. So I, I can actually help them with being more productive at work or living longer or handling their stress better or sleeping better or whatever it is. And it's a very unique position to be in. And to me, it's something that came totally out of the blue, far left field, and, and something I really love doing. And it's actually quite good because if I'm speaking to someone on the initial consultation call, they will have listened. Generally, they will have listened to some episode of the podcast. So they already have a bit of an understanding as to me, and you don't have to have that awkward initial conversation. And you mean yeah, like we did? <laughs> no, but not even even yeah. with that, because of the hashtag goes to Twitter, like I already have it. I already sure. know who you are. Do you know what I mean? Whereas before, I'd have clicked into it, and then you have this total stranger that doesn't know who I am or has never, they've maybe That's read things that I have. Yes, they've never read, there's maybe read things that I have written, like when I used to post a lot on Instagram or whatever. But I think having heard someone's voice and how they actually are is entirely different than reading something that they have written. And I think that you know, it's helped me and my business massively in, in so many ways that I couldn't have imagined. No, absolutely. And so a little bit of my background, I've been in tech. I did not know. I didn't know Dave. I've never talked to Dave outside of me sending him stupid gifs on some of his posts on, <laughs> online. That's the extent of it. But I've been in the, in tech and now do, just doing consulting and obviously doing this podcast here. But you're not, you're not wrong having been in the tech cybersecurity field for 20 plus years. It's not known for its physical well-being. No, it's the like, opposite. It's, it's, Cheetos, the opposite. A Mountain, it's it, Cheetos a Mountain Dew by the case, man. But yeah, it's, again, this is how it, it came about. Sorry to interrupt you, but it, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it was almost like a, a dick measuring contest for want of a better phrase as to, <laughs> I heard you use that later, on another one. Who stayed up the latest or who was right. the yes. the most drunk or, or whatever it is. And I'm like that, this is the literally the opposite of what you should be doing. And especially from a cognitive function and what they're actually managing and what they're actually trying to achieve. And I was like, we need to change this on a big scale. And actually yes. one of the, one of the cool things that I've noticed recently is at the start, it was a lot of people who were coming to me and they were like, you've spent 20 years of my focusing on my career and I haven't really focused on myself and I need to fix that because, okay, now I'm this super successful person in the business or the company or whatever, but how long am I going to live to be able to see this out? There's been a shift in terms of like younger people coming and being like, oh, I've heard you talk about this and I've heard you talk about that. And like, I'm preempting that a little bit and I don't want to have those health issues and I don't want to have those injuries. So I want to get on the ball with things sooner mm -hmm. rather than later, which is, has been a cool shift in things. No, I, and that's, I'm trying to articulate, that's awesome. That's what I've seen. Because back when I was younger, my whole thing was, I want to break the norm of what the traditional IT person was thought of. And I and until I blew out my knee the first time, I actually was pretty good at that. And I, I still see people now, as I've tried to launch the podcast, as well as restructure the consulting and get relaunched from that as a new entity for myself, or restructuring of the entity that I've got, I still have people come up to me now and Hey man, how do you, how, what's your workday look like? I said, well, I'm usually up at five. I immediately start to go to work. I said, depending on when I get a big thing done is when I go work out, but I'm like toast. By the time it gets eight o'clock at night, my wife makes fun of me. She's like, you used to start your nights. I said, I started my nights before at like 10. I yeah. said, I'm in, I'm ready to go lay down at eight o'clock. And then I hear people going, Oh, I do both. I get up at five and I stay up until midnight. You're an idiot. But that's not going to last long. And quite frankly, I don't even know if I believe whatever the hell you're talking about, to be honest with you. But I have that happen probably about once a week where somebody says some stupid yeah. stuff like that for me. So that's the reason why I think I really, I like the movement because it's putting spotlight on a, it's weird to say, a specific industry of people yeah. that are not typically known for health and well-being. And when you're talking about cybersecurity and particularly in this day and age, you're always on. So happy I don't do any hands-on stuff anymore. Because it's that's funny, but 
it's funny because obviously with things start to open up like i've been meeting people i haven't seen in a while and one guy that i work with is a, a videographer and he was just this is where the youtube thing came about but he was like talking about vlogging and what that should look like and he was like the last time that we shot a video you were in the gym floor and we did this thing and it was the majority females and it was all everybody looking pretty and whatever else and then <laughs> he was like what are you up to now and i was like i work with the majority hackers and he was like what I was like, yeah, 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 and then told him the whole story. And he was like, how uh -huh. f and I was like, I don't know why, but it's it's far beyond. The thing that I like about it the most is what I can give back to these guys and girls is health and years on their life. Like it's yes. not necessarily you want a small waist and a big bum or drop a dress size or some fucking superficial bullshit. It's we can actually help you live better for longer in terms of even not even talking about their career and their, how they're able to function at work, like genuinely improve people's blood work like i've had clients come to me and they'd be like my doctor actually couldn't believe the improvements in my blood work from the last time i did to now he was like he was asking me what i was doing he says just fucking keep doing what you're doing and i'm like that to me is cool because that's beyond a physical change that's a number one something that people generally wouldn't look at but number two something that will literally allow you to live longer for your family it's just a, a great privilege how hard is it to this is something i've thought about luckily my wife is she runs she uses the gym and stuff like that with some of the clients do you do you get them to turn it into a family affair? Because I know change for one can rub off on the other one or cause resistance inside if not everybody's on the same page. Again, it depends on the person. Yeah. Too. It depends on their dynamic more than anything. But generally, I find that if the partner is supportive, the journey is much smoother, let's say. <laughs> if they're not and they're like, I'm trying to have my tavola meal and they're having fucking pizza, it's, it's difficult. Whereas if they have a... If they have a bit of an understanding of it and they're like, okay, I respect what you're trying to do and I understand it, then it's much easier. And some people, I'll get a message being like, oh, my wife wants to know, do you coach females? I was like, the majority of my career, I've coached mm -hmm. females. And then you're coaching both of them, which is always an interest in insight and dynamic. But yeah, it depends on the person. But I definitely have noticed over the years that if the partner is on board with things, the whole process is much smoother. Gotcha. Do you find that, again, I don't, this is something I used to see in when I was going to the gym, let's say like I did for 20 some odd years. It seemed to me that the coaches that were working with other people, they were in my mind, you got a ramp up period. You got that learning period where you're not going to push somebody overly hard because you don't want to get somebody so sore, so exhausted, so freaking tired. It's, oh my God, I don't ever want to do that ever freaking again. Yeah. But I would repeatedly see what I consider to be the exact opposite of that, where it's like they weren't even pushing them at all. And then they'd go take up like, my thing was they were taking up the machines for freaking 30 minutes because <laughs> they weren't really pushing the clients. Yeah. Is that, how can you gauge level of effort with some of that stuff to know that somebody is being online, that they're putting in the right amount of exertion? Are you having them track reps and sets time and you going really deep into that type of stuff? Or how do you know they're exerting the correct amount? Yeah, so I'll... <laughs> And this is stupid because this is completely out of order and I should probably, they just hit me in the head. That's okay. It's fine. It's fine. I know. I, don't worry. I know how it goes. Like we talk around in circles. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, so yes, in answer to your question, the biggest challenge that I thought I would face whenever I moved fully online is how can I try and give every single aspect of me being their studio side by side, being remote? Like how can I give everything that I can if I'm stood there beside Gina's in floor, but doing it in a remote setting. And it, it just comes down to, to to collection of data and things like that. So in terms of workouts, everybody has, obviously they get delivered their plan and their workout. And we will look at progression of, are you getting stronger? Are you doing more reps? What does that look like? Are you improving in terms of your cardio time or whatever it is? The big thing that I look at is, is get them to video some of their sets. So, 
Yes, okay. in part, I will do it from an exercise execution standpoint. But the other side is I'm like, I know where that is in your workout. If you're like fresh with your t-shirt all on and you're looking cool, I'm like, you haven't given me enough up until that point. <laughs> and I haven't, given, I haven't actually disclosed that to any of them, but it gives me an insight as to what they're actually doing. And I talk a lot about intensity when I'm on the group calls and things like that. And actually one of the main reasons of me traveling next week over to the guys is to show them what intensity in a workout should look like, because I could program the same workout for 10 people and they would each perform in a different way. And I think that the intensity of the workout is something that is difficult to teach unless you're visually showing them. And the way that I get around it is I talk about it a lot. I also show my own training, not that they need to train at that capacity. And then obviously there's this sort of community internal competitiveness in everybody is to they're putting in the chat, like, oh, PB and this or PB and that. And it's good because it'll drive the other people that they want to get onto it. But there's also a lot of support that goes in the group, really fucking good job. And they'll share their videos and whatever else. So again, where the community aspect comes into it. You ever have to kick anybody in the ass for not working out hard enough? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. I have. And do you know what? I, I can... I like people to think that they can come to me with any sort of problem, but at the same time, I don't like to think that they can get away with anything. Yes, I understand that everybody's human and they'll make mistakes and they'll forget things and, and whatever else, but I'm not here to be a babysitter. Like I'm not here to just baby you through the process. If I don't think you're pulling your weight, literally, I will, I'm happy to call people out because at the end of the day, you're talking about the people in the gym floor that are, they, and I've seen this before in the gym floor. It's almost that they see the less that they push them, the longer that they will coach them, if that makes sense, right. which. I guess is a smart business model, but for me, I'm quite open with people in the initial conversation and I was like, it's my job to educate you to the point that you no longer need to work with me, which just is a fucking ridiculous business model. But the biggest thing that I think is missing from the internet and the fitness industry whole is an education as to, okay, 10 years down the line, can I still do the things that you're prescribing me to do now? Or how many different phases of things that we need to go through so that you know everything that you need to know long beyond our coaching relationship? That <laughs> no, I just lost the train of thought of the question I had. I should have wrote it down. Sometimes I write it. I, I write that down in there. All right, if that comes back to me. I'll just shoot that to you, shoot cool. you later. I'm going to ask. I got two questions. So, like I said, I've been in this kind of the fitness realm for a long time, but I've never been able to get a, a clear answer on one particular question. Anyway, how do you know the difference when your body really needs a break versus? your mind telling versus that moment of weakness where your mind says, like, I just don't feel like doing it today. Cause I know that is something over the years that I've struggled with going, okay, maybe I'm reaching a point of legitimately overtraining. If I showed you some workout logs and then waking up going, I can't do this today versus, Hey, what's go freaking put on your shoes, go get your wrist wraps. Let's freaking go. How, what's the best way to identify the difference of that? So you're not injuring yourself. I would say that, if we think about actual overtraining for general population, they're not going to reach that. You need to be at a certain level. You need to be able to train at a certain level and you need to have put the literal reps in to actually be able to take your body to that intensity, to the place of actually overtraining. So 95 times out of a hundred, if someone thinks they're overtraining, they probably are not. I'm not saying it's not a thing and I'm not saying that people can't get there, but you need to be seriously fucking putting through your body through hell to actually take you to a point of overtraining. Um, my old workouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't fancy it. But I guess this is where it comes down to being in tune with your body. And again, to take it back to what I, the best thing that I have from my own perspective for training and nutrition is an understanding of my body, what it needs, when it needs it, what to strip back when I need to, what to push whenever I need to. And that has literally just come down to 
the past eight years of my training and understanding and working with different coaches. So it's always something that I want to give back to the client is that understanding. So if I'm looking at their check-in sheet and they're telling me that they're not recovering or they're not sleeping or they're not hungry or they're they're just not motivated to train or they're not progressing in terms of their workout. And then I look at the numbers in terms of, okay, HRV's down, heart rate variability's down or resting heart rate's up or you're not actually sleeping, then it's like, okay, maybe we need to actually pull things back here for a week and try and go again. Do we just take three or four days off and do a deload that way? Or do we just pull it back that you do the same amount of work, but you just do it at less capacity? And it just comes down to data management, which is funny because this is how I worked before I worked with the people that I work with. And if I talk about data and analytics, they're like fucking eyes light up. Like I fucking love data. Like I'm tracking data all day long. So <laughs> right. it's just, it's one thing that they actually was put back to me. It's you know, the hackers in the information security, like they spent their life hacking all these different things, but never actually understood hacking themselves. And whenever you give them data, it's funny because I'll start with an amount of, this is what your check-in sheet looks like. And this is what we do. And then they come back like, I had this into my check-in sheet and I pulled the data and I now look at it on a monthly basis. And I now look for trends and I'm like, this is what it's all about. It's like, how can we take the information that we have, find out what the good days or the good weeks are, and then replicate them to improve on. And it's just about having the data and information. No, totally agree. As long as you don't get analysis by paralysis or paralysis exactly. by analysis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, I think yeah. that I think that's a good, that's why it's good to have a second set of eyes. Do you know what I mean? That's why it's good to have someone oh, else yeah. look at it because you can look at it yourself and you can get too caught up in it. Whereas I can look at it from my perspective and I'll pull up your check-in sheet and I can rationalize it a bit for you. You're like, oh, that makes sense. That goes right back into why I'll make an argument for even a business going, why you need a consultant, for instance, and you're a coach. Just hold on. I'm not beholden to your internal politics, your internal beliefs. I'm here to give you an objective thing. And if you think that my opinion has value because of previous experience or results somewhere else, you're going to freaking listen to me. And if you don't, too many times, I probably don't want to work with you. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. the point of not being exactly around? <laughs> yeah. So I wrap up. Did with that this answer your question? Did that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. That's all right. Because so. you said you had me able to get an answer. Oh, that was the one. Yeah, because I, and I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you saying that most people won't get there. I would say I would follow probably again. You can take me in my word for it or say I'm full of crap. I believe. I know, I know legitimately I have done that through training programs before, doing either recompositions and really arms. I can't lift my arms over my head. I can barely close my hands to make a fist. I have been there more times than I can count over the years. Not recently. Uh, it's probably been two, two and a half years since I've been at that point because I just keep going in and out of this stupid... I, I'm no kidding. I'm hurting myself in my sleep is what's happened. The reason my, my, I've had sleep studies done. Okay. My watch, my Apple watch will sit there and say in my sleep that I have walked 200 steps, 50 steps, a hundred steps. And when a sleep study, because I'm mentally subconscious of being hooked up to all the wires, I'm not moving at all. Okay. So they're like, we can't find anything wrong. And then I'm coming back and I'm all twisted up like a pretzel and doing all kinds of stuff and waking up and both of my le arms are numb. So that's some weird nonsense that i'm going through that puts me into that orthopedics either wet dream client or nightmare depending on the <laughs> 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 pitting i've made a very good friend that's an orthopedic pa over the years okay. and they it's bad when you walk into the doctor's office and the receptionist goes hey john how you doing <laughs> <laughs> i've been here too many times yeah you've been there probably a few too many times of which i can sit there and legitimately say some stuff was and other things are mystery injuries. If you could wrap it up with this, if there's something, again, you're, 
you're in a highly competitive market space. There's lots of people out there and there's lots of people coming in with a lot of preconceptions that we've talked about by nauseum here. You could wave a magic wand and make something go away to make your life better. When they come to you, what would that probably be? Diet culture. Because again, it depends, but the diet culture becomes almost like a cult. So people who do keto, Will mm -hmm. they be like, it's the only way, or people who do intermittent fasting, it's the only way. And while I will bash these diets and not make fun of keto and whatever else, it's the lack of education that comes with them. So it's like, okay, right, well, you just want to eat protein and fat, but why are you doing that? What's the actual purpose of doing that? And I think that that culture as a whole is really messing up people's relationship with food, like really messing people's up relationship with food. And I agree. That's where the biggest challenge comes that people come and be like, but I can't eat carbs because I saw my mom do this that 50 years ago. And I'm like, fucking hell, like where do we even begin with this one? But it's the, yeah, it's just that people believe that this is the way. And the thing that I say about it is, it's everybody who says this is right and wrong because keto might be the best thing for that one person. And they have lost a hundred pounds and they mm -hmm. feel great and everything that comes along with it. Same with intermittent fasting, same with any diet. But that doesn't mean it's going to work for me. And that's people will have a conversation be like, oh yeah, you want to lose weight. Okay, did keto. This is what you need to do. And I said, no, it doesn't really work like that. It's understand what's going on, what's going on with you and how you can build something out that will allow you to have sustainable weight loss or muscle gain or whatever it is. And I think if I could get rid of that culture, it would save me a lot of time, but it would say if it genuinely, I think it is, it's one of the biggest issues that people face because they just are so lost in what to do because they will read one article and they'll read the next one that tells them the opposite. And they'll read the next one that tells them something mm -hmm. totally different again. They're like, what, how can I process and how can I get this? And the thing about it is all of them have some good points. For myself, sometimes I'll use fasting because if I relate it back to when I was on the gym floor, if I had a heavy morning of clients and I was working, say, 6 a.m. to 1 p.m., if I didn't eat in the morning, I was fine the whole way through. But if I had my breakfast at 5 a.m., by 9 o'clock, I was starving and I was pissed off. So I would have used intermittent fasting. I didn't run about telling everybody I was doing intermittent fasting. And the same with keto. My first, generally my first two meals of the day will be high protein and high fats because cognitively I feel better. I don't run about telling people I do keto, but I've taken <laughs> bits from each one to right. build out something that's for me. So I think if I could get rid of one thing, it would be diet culture. Because Back in the days of me not looking like I ate a tub of Oreos, I would get that. And I would see the people do the same thing and not make any progress at all. They would sit there yeah. and think that, oh, I'm doing intermittent fasting. I can legitimately eat anything I want in whatever window they set, whether it was eight hours, four hours. An hour, if you want to eat, you can still eat fucking 5,000 calories right. in an yeah. hour. It doesn't take long for that stuff to, yeah. to, to add up or the ones I actually had that conversation recently i can't have any carbs because of the dude that doesn't it doesn't work that no, way you're, had, e I, you're eating a tub stuff. of butter and three packs of baking <laughs> give me a break dude you just some, ate four thousand calories <laughs> some some of the things that people say and they're like even if you go down to i guess you guys have to go there like slim world and weight watchers and stuff like that they're like yeah oh no i can eat a bowl of fruit but i can't have it blended and i'm like what the <laughs> fuck like, like i can't have a smoothie but i can eat right. all of the fruits that i would put in the smoothie yep separately or i can eat unlimited pasta and i can eat unlimited potatoes but i can only eat half of a freddo bar and i'm like <laughs> if you tell me i can eat unlimited pasta challenge accepted you're about to see some shit go down here i'm not gonna lose any weight i'm gonna eat a lot of pasta do you know what i mean it's yep. just the stupid rules that people live and die by oh yeah and i did that i just to prove a point 
because I, I usually fall into the calories and calories out if it fits your macros type of thing. As long as I hit the uh, the protein number, I personally don't really give a crap how the other stuff typically splits out per se. Yeah. That's just me. I found out having done my yo-yoing through the years, <laughs> that's what works. But to prove a point to somebody, I was down I was down calories for the day and I freaking ate two Hershey bars. I wake up and I'm a pound and a half down the next day. Yeah. You can't do that every day. It just, it fit the bank account of numbers that I was allotted yeah. for that day. So anyway, that's yeah. my own, how I stuff. Yeah, I think, and again, you've worked that out for yourself. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And okay, yes, nine times out of 10, calories in versus calories out will work for some people. But that, that 10% of people that it doesn't work for, then they start to believe that there's something wrong with them. And then they need to get down the rabbit hole of diet culture and whatever else. And we actually did a podcast not recently of when calories in versus calories out doesn't work. Because again, I didn't want to misinform people of this is the way to do it. Just eat less than your body expands. And then they're like, it doesn't work for me. So I needed to give, I needed to give, I guess, a broad caveat to that as well. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough because I'm very, I guess I have a, a quite a strong opinion on a lot of things in terms of the industry as a whole, but I don't also want to contradict myself in a lot of things because then people will start being like, this guy doesn't fucking know what he's talking about. Hey, if you talk long enough on the internet, at some point you're going to, you're going to say something that's like, hold on three years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Three years ago, I read a post that you wrote on somebody else's Facebook page and you said, and this is the opposite of that. Yeah, right, if you have the time to, to go and to research that and go back. Oh, fair enough. It's the internet. They have the time. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. Man, this is this has been awesome. Best place for people to reach out to you, the website? No, the website's shit. If you want to book if you want to book a call with me, then the best yes, place absolutely. to book a call is the website. Yes, the best place to book a call. BC uh, it's just bc.training. The best place probably to find me now is Twitter, just at bencanning 87 It's a strange place that I find myself in, but even like Instagram is something I don't really use as much anymore just because of the people that I work with. So get me on Twitter. I if you want to book a call, bc.training website, and I'm gladly speak to you. That's awesome. And I will say just be that, prepared to just be prepared to fill out a really extensive hey, question. Yeah, <laughs> it's good friction. No, and I agree. Until the we hack hashtag we have health, I do recommend if you're looking for a community, a non-judgmental, just whatever fits what you're doing. Post up there, use that hashtag, follow that hashtag. And to be honest with you, I really didn't screw around with Twitter that much until I started doing that. Now it's like I'm on it all the time time thank you for that yeah. by the way yeah, you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> yeah I again i don't think i had tweeted since 2014 and then dave was like oh you need to go on twitter i was like really do people still use that and i'm like yeah, <laughs> now, now i'm on it all the time it's yep. actually cool i mean it's a shit show in some ways but it's cool it's a cool space i'm definitely the we have health hashtag people some people are doing really cool shit and even in the discord like the discord's growing and growing every single day every single week so it's cool to see the support that comes far beyond just me do you know what i mean it's right. cool to see that uh, building community. That's, you know, what this is about having outreach, mm -hmm. me being able to reach out to you. I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't know who you were until this was, yeah. I don't know that our paths would ever would have crossed. Maybe, not. maybe not. I don't know, but now they have. And here we are. <laughs> and we've yes. recorded an hour of conversation that the world can listen to. What a great time. And then they banned me from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been allowed to record a podcast since. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Riverside revoked my license. Ben, appreciate it. this has been awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me.